Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. So we're jumping into a series today called Sons and Daughters, and we have a key verse uh, that we're going to look at. Like This is our key verse for the whole series. Uh, you can go ahead. That's the first uh, scripture slide of the sermon. Uh, if you go ahead, throw it up there. Here's this verse. I'm going to read it, and I'm just going to encourage us to read it together. Okay? Uh, it says, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Can we read that together? Just everybody actually can just invite you one more time. I know I just told you to sit down. It's like a rowing church, man. Uh, stand up. Let's read this together, and then I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to jump in to this uh, message today. So let's look at this, 2 Corinthians 6.18. I will be a father to you. And you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Would you just join me praying one more time as we step into this series today? Lord, we thank you, God, for what you're speaking to the church as a whole, to the global community, God. We just pray, Lord, that as we lean into that, God, that our our, our hearts would be open, our ears would be receptive to what is what the Spirit is saying to the church. God, that you would reveal to us what it means to be sons and daughters of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated, man. Thank you so much for hanging out up here with us. Can we give them a hand? Great, man. Well, what is up? How's your week going? It's going good? It's a little chillier now, right? Thank the Lord. Man, I'm just saying, I had friends from Michigan who, um, who uh, shot me a, a photo of, of their kids trick-or-treating in the snow. On, on Thursday night, I was, I was walking with my kids in a short-sleeve t-shirt, sweating. Thank God November arrived the right way, right? Thank God it is chillier. I really appreciate it. Appreciate that. Well, like I said, we're jumping into this series, and we're going to be in this thing um, from now until uh, throughout the month of November, and actually uh, all the way into the first Sunday of December. So here's the thing: like that is Thanksgiving weekend, and I know that several of us we travel Thanksgiving, and and that's cool. Uh, let me encourage you. Make it a priority to be at church on Thanksgiving Sunday. We've got something special, something we've never done uh, before, and I think it's going to be uh, really, really exciting uh, to just uh, to be together on that weekend. And so we're, we're jumping into this series about sons and daughters. It's also about the fatherhood of God because when Jesus was here, Jesus, um, Jesus didn't do anything without first talking to the Father. In fact, Jesus will say, you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Uh, Everything that I say, I say because I heard the Father say it. Everything I do, I do because I saw the Father doing it. And, and, And then Jesus, here's what he does. He says, all right, guys, I came to reveal the Father. That's what he, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So the purpose of Jesus's life was to reveal the perfect Father. And then he says, all right, listen, listen, friends, I'm going away, and uh, I'm going to leave that task to you. (laughs) You go show the world what the Father's like. And I think that what's happening right now in the church is that God, um, God doesn't like being misrepresented. You know, um, I grew up in church where um, you did not cuss, okay? Like, you didn't, you didn't so much as even say, like, shoot or darn with the wrong kind of attitude, right? Because then you were going to get, like, a bell. Or if, like, mom or dad was in a cranky mood, you had to go pick your own switch off the tree in the backyard. That was not fun. Because that, listen, that's physical, but it's also mental. That is mental warfare right there. Because you go out there and you're thinking, if I get that one, they're going to send me back out here. But if I get that one, it's going to break the legs. <laughs> so now I'm like having to enter into how hard do I want to be disciplined? So anyway, um, but we, you know, the, the scripture says, and a lot of times this is where it comes from, not to take the Lord's name in vain. 
Like, we don't want to take his name in vain. And a lot of times we only apply that to mean there are certain words and phrases we dare not say. And if you say Jesus in a celebratory way, you're good. But if you say Jesus with the wrong kind of in, uh, inflection in your voice, he will strike you down, right? Um, and, and listen, I'm not advocating that we like go to like just using a bunch of like uh, language that, you know, they edit out on TV. I'm not saying that that's fine, but that's not actually what it means to take the Lord's name in vain. What it means is that Jesus gave us a mission and a purpose as a church, the global church, to go reveal what the Father is like to the world who is estranged from their dad. Go reveal to the world that they are sons and daughters of God by doing what I've done and showing them what I'm like. And God doesn't like to be misrepresented. And so when we misrepresent his character, we take his name in vain. When we misrepresent who he is to the world, we take his name in vain. And it's really hard to show the world what God is like when we don't know what it means to be sons and daughters. How else do you reveal the nature of a father besides being a son or daughter? Because even Jesus, like we see this interaction with Jesus and, and, and God the Father over and over. My son, my son, my father in heaven, my father. It's it's by product of being in relationship with God the Father as the Son that Jesus reveals the perfectness of the Father. And so it's, it's like that for us. In fact, even Paul picks up on this in Romans chapter 8. He says that all of creation is waiting, is groaning, moaning, anticipating the revelation of the sons and daughters of God. Waiting on the, the, the sons and daughters of God to step into their sonship and daughtership. And so it's by doing that that we actually reveal who God is to the world. Now, let me ask you a question as we, as we kind of try to get started on this. Is it possible that, that we could see something every day and not really see everything that's there? Not realize what we're looking at. Let me kind of, let me get all of us on the same page by doing this kind of illustration of logos, all right? I've got like four different categories. The first one, uh, let's throw it up there. I think it's the very first FedEx logo. Like this is FedEx, right? Like we're familiar with this. We, we see it every day, but we don't see everything that's there. Let's go to the next, the, the, the next FedEx one. Have you ever noticed this arrow? It's been there the whole time. And, and for many of us, now this is kind of the easy level. Many of you have read this BuzzFeed article and you've seen this before, okay? And so this is like, yeah, I've seen that. But, but now if you haven't noticed that before, you will never look at another FedEx truck the same. You're like, arrow, I see the arrow, 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 arrow. I can't not see the arrow. That was easy. Let's go to the next one. This is a little bit harder. This is the, is the Amazon logo. How many Amazon people, like, hey, if I can get it on Amazon, like, I, I don't want to go to the store and talk to somebody. Prime, two-day, one-day, same-day shipping. Give it to me now, right? And here's the thing, like, it's, it's the smile that's cute. They have Amazon Smile where you can donate to charity. But again, we see it every day. Maybe we don't see everything that's there. Have you ever noticed that the smile is actually an arrow that goes from A to Z because Amazon sells everything from A to Z. Again, we see it every day, but maybe we don't see it all. All right, let's 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 uh, turn the knob up and go a little bit harder. Uh, let's look at the Toyota logo. All right, so Toyota, we know the name and we know the logo. Like you see this on the cars. Like if you've got a Toyota, this is on the front of your car. It's the Toyota logo. But we've looked at this every day, and I don't think we've seen everything that's there. Let's go to the next one. Check this out. This is crazy. Toyota is spelled out in the logo. Do you see it? T-O-Y-O-T-A. What? Who thought of that? Mind blown. I can see it every day, but I don't see everything that's there. All right, this one, listen, you're not even ready for this. <laughs> I'm not even joking. The first time I show you the first half of it, you'll be like, oh, okay, I saw that already. But this is going to blow. Let's go to the next one. This is the London Symphony Orchestra logo. 
okay? I've never listened to the London Symphony Orchestra, but it's fine. All right, so let's go to the, the, the very next one. LSO. You probably saw that, right? Like London Symphony Orchestra. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, that's not... You're not even ready for this. Let's go, go to the next one. Go to the next one. It's a conductor with a baton. What? Do you see it? I don't know how people do that. How in the Hey, let's uh, let's draw a conductor. He's he's doing the thing, and it's our LSO logo. Cool, awesome. Mind blown. I don't even understand how that works. All right, cool. So, is it possible that we could see something every day and not realize it's there? When it comes to God, is it possible that even though we we see every day God as Father, if if you read the Bible on a regular basis in the New Testament, you come over it time and time again. But is it possible that we're not seeing everything that that means? That's what this series is really all about. So to start off, let me go real high level. Let's take a few minutes and just go like at that 50,000 feet um, altitude uh, of, of the whole Bible story. So the Old Testament if we were going to summarize all of the Old Testament down to one key concept or word, we would say the Old Testament is about law, right? Old Testament, Old Covenant, um, but pre-Jesus, the way people related to God was through the law. Um, our relationship as human beings with God centered on rules and regulations, Rules and regulations. You had the big 10, 10 commandments, but you also had like over 400 more, like other laws and rules and here's how to eat this food and here's when to worship on this day and with this kind of festival and don't do it this way, but do it that way. But then the next time you do it in the later part of the year, do it the other way. You know, all of that was in there and it was good, okay? Paul makes a really big deal to point this out. Like it's not, it's not that the law was evil, it's that the law was insufficient to bring transformation. Matter of fact, that's exactly what he says in Romans chapter 3, verses 19 through 20. He says, look, look, look. He says, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law. So that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. In other words, he says, listen, God gave humanity the law to, to show us what righteousness looks like. He goes on, verse 20, he says, therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. So God gives the law, the rules and the regulations to Israel and through Israel to be a light, a witness to him of, hey, here's what the Father looks like. Here's what God requires. This is what it looks like to be in right relationship so the law, Paul says, has this unique ability to show us that we can never be good enough to meet that righteousness, to meet that, that right relationship, to relate to God in this manner. It's not, it's not going to get us where we want to go. It's never going to produce righteousness in our heart. It's not going to bring transformation. That's why we got to sacrifice every year. That's why we got we, we to do this whole ritual and routine because, because we're covering our sin. We're not being transformed into new creation. So in the Old Testament, the prophets, they start talking about a day that's to come. They start looking into the future and God starts revealing to them of this new thing that he's going to do. This, this, um, this day where everything's going to change. Now, we know that on this side, of course, is Jesus. Like, but, but before that, they just knew that, okay, God's going to do something new. We don't know what it looks like. But uh, Malachi, the very last prophet in our Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, right before he wraps up his, his prophetic writing, he says this, looking at that day, he says, look, I, I am sending you the prophet Elijah, before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching, and then here it is, 
will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. So Malachi says, the Lord says through Malachi, this new thing that I'm going to do isn't going to be about rules and regulations. It's going to be about relationships. But it's not just relate. It's actually, it's a father-child thing. It's a, it's a family thing. It's a, it's a way of entering into relationship with me by becoming part of my family. I want to do something new, and it looks like family. It's not based on rules. It's based on relationship. And so Jesus shows up in the New Testament, and immediately he changes the way humanity relates to God. Immediately. In the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus will refer to God as Father over 165 times. Paul picks up on this, this tradition, this, this language, and he adds an additional four, over 40 times of referring to God as Father. So in the New Testament alone, God is referred to as Father over 200 times. When you add up every occurrence of, of, of God as Father in the Old Testament, it's only 12 times. So you see, something new has happened. The old order, the old way of relating to God, God is judge, God is authority, God is king. All of that's still true, but Jesus came with a fuller revelation, the full revelation of who God is. That's what Hebrews says, that he is the exact representation of the glory of the Father. That when you see him, you see the Father, although the two of them are not the same. They are one God. It's you can go down that road. I'm happy to talk to you about that. That's not. We're not having a Trinitarian sermon today, okay? We believe in God, the Father, Son, Spirit, one, three, and we, we, uh, we can talk about that. Anyway, it's, it's God as relational, loving, approachable. And here's the thing. Like, we know that. If you're a Christian, if you've been in church for a while, you know that, and yet we still struggle with the concept. We struggle entering into it. And, and I, think, I think it's because we, we love, listen, we love our rules, right? Like we love our regulations and our conditions. And, and some people will like talk about that and call it religion. I just prefer to call it control <laughs> because that's what it is. Like I want the, give me the checklist the to-do list, what I can do, what I can't do to make you happy so I can control the outcome. I want to control your, your blessings, God, so just tell me what I need to do so I can do it all and I can control this relationship. And you'll be good to me and, and I'll, be, I'll, I'll make it to heaven when I die. But that's not a relationship, right? Like, try that in your marriage, right? Like, guys, try this. Uh, go home today and be like, honey, if you could just give me a 12-point a to-do list uh, so that when I check off all the boxes, uh, you'll kiss me twice a day and me, you know, maybe a couple times a week. We'll do a little bit more kiss, right? Um, and, and we'll be happy. No! <laughs> it's not going to work because that's not relationship. And it doesn't make sense in marriage and it doesn't make sense when we try to do that with our heavenly father. God, just give me the rules. Tell me what I need to do. I'll do my best. I'll check all the boxes and you can bless me. But that's how many of us relate to God. And the reason it's so hard is because let's face it, relationships are messier than rules. It's messy. It's ebb and flow and give and take. Rules are easy. Rules are like, here's the guideline. For A plus B equals C. If I do this, if I pray and read my Bible and, and give financially to the church, I can guarantee blessings in my life. And that's like, that's, 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 that's a regulation. That's a, that's a rule. You should do those things, but relationships don't work that way. There, there's an ebb and a flow and a, and a, and a give and take, and, and there's, there's feeling. There's emotion in relationship. You can be happy. You can be sad. You can, be, you can feel distant. And that's 
Not that God wants us to be distant from him, but that's relationship. You can feel near. You can feel the nearness of the person you're in relationship with. And so God the Father wants us to be in relationship with him. And, and so it's hard because that's messier, but it's also hard because, let's face it, a lot of us, we didn't have a really great representation of a father. Like, we don't really enter into this thing. Obviously, we don't enter into it without any kind of bias. And so some of us, we had really good dads. Um, but even at best, right, they were still imperfect. You might have had a great dad. You might have had the dad of the year. He might have been on People Magazine, dad of the year, right here, award winning. He was still imperfect. You might have had a great mom perfect mom. Mom like loved you and, and you loved her and you had a great relationship. She's still an imperfect parent. And so all of that feeds into how we view God as father. You might have, at, at best, he's in, he or she's imperfect, but at worst they're abusive and neglecting. And so we take all of that and we project that onto God. And here's the rub, man. As soon as we leave the the concept of God as father, we leave the concept of family. And when we leave the concept of family, we lose the concept of kingdom. Because, because the kingdom is the father's kingdom. It's, it's the reign and rule of a perfect father. In fact, um, I, I've been listening a lot to, if you, if you subscribe to our um, email that goes out on like Monday or Tuesday. It's our weekly email. You can subscribe on your connection card part that says subscribe to our weekly email. Just check that box. Um, what we try to do is we try to say, hey, here's what was really great about Sunday. Um, here's here's um, you know some things that are coming up, but also here's some resources to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus because it might be a book. It might be a song. It might be a, a course. It might be all kinds of stuff. I've been listening to the N.T. Wright podcast. Ask N.T. Wright anything. It's incredible, okay? I would encourage you, if you're interested in Christianity, listen to that podcast. It's amazing. But in one of the recent episodes that I listened to, he was talking about how in the Western world, we have this legal definition of salvation. What does it mean to be saved? It means that God has forgiven my sin, and I've been released from the penalty of going to hell. And he said, listen, when we read the New Testament, that's not the first level of the way they start describing Salvation, he said. He said salvation start with he's, it's like start with Galatians chapter two, and here's what salvation is: welcome to the family of God. Thank you. Yes. This is why Paul will say. This is why Paul will say um, there are neither Jews nor Gentiles because they couldn't be in family together. This is why he'll say there are neither slave nor free because you're not brother and sister with slaves. Right. Wow. They're subhuman. Right. Paul says no, no, no. no. In the family of God, there's neither Greek nor, nor, nor Jew. There's neither male nor female. There are no classifications. It's not like females are a lower class family. No, 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 no. We're all family. And that, for Paul, is the first step. That, that's the first definition of salvation. Is It's not so much, it is forgive me of my sin, come into my life, make me a new creation. But it's also that I can enter the family. I can sit down at the table with the Father. I can be part of the house. And so, so when we leave the concept of father, we, leave the, we lose family and we lose kingdom and we lose, really start losing salvation because we don't understand. And when we look at Jesus, Jesus had a perfect connection with the father. Like it's over and over and over again. You know, Jesus is talking and talking and it's, you just sense the love and, and Jesus is always praying and, 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 and reaching out to the father, but only twice in the whole story. Do we get the curtain pulled back and we get to hear the father talk to his son? And that's what I want to look at today. These two words from the father to his son, Jesus. The first one happens at Jesus's baptism. Um, it says this, Matthew chapter three, verse 17. So, so we've actually looked at both of these scriptures in the last several weeks. So it uh, might sound familiar if you're a regular attender. So here we go, Matthew three seventeen. A voice from heaven said, so the father pulls back the curtain and speaks so that everyone can hear. And here's what he says. This is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Then later on in Matthew, Matthew chapter 17, they're at the Mount of Transfiguration. It's that weird scene that Pastor Hope talked about several weeks ago. 
that's just bizarre. And, and the father makes another appearance. And this is what, this is what happens. Verse 5. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. <laughs> Just add that little tag on us. But that's the only thing different. It's the same word. It's the same exact word. God the Father wanted us to understand three things about the son. And it's those three things that he speaks about his son that he also speaks about his sons and daughters. And that's what I want to look at today. These three things, these three truths, the father speaks over Jesus that shows us how he views us as well. And the first one is this, is the word identity. Identity. So the cloud appears and the first words you hear are, this is my son. This is my son. I want the whole world to know this is my son. I think there's a cry in the heart of every man, woman, boy, and girl on the planet. Just this this heart-level attempt to answer the question, who are you? If you ask me that question, of course, I'm going to say I am Josh Butcher. Right? Like that's what my driver's license says. That's what's on my birth certificate. That's who I am. And and there's a lot of identity captured in that name. Josh Butcher. First name, last name. History and potential (laughs) captured in your name. And of course, history and potential create a momentum for success in life. So when I look at myself, right, right, like Butcher, that's my last name. And there's been a lot of butchers before me. So there's a certain history to that name. There's a, there, there's a certain momentum created by previous generations that now I step into. There's the butcher family, the butcher momentum. Good or bad, pretty or ugly, that's what it is. So there's a history of the Butcher family. But my my first name is Josh, and that speaks to my potential. How how am I going to take the momentum of being Butcher and navigate that for my own life as Josh? So in the natural, I'm a Butcher. And listen, it's a checkered past. (laughs) There are some really not pretty parts of being a butcher. In the natural, my potential is limited to what Josh can do. But when I step into Christ, when I look at it from a supernatural picture, all of a sudden I have an eternal name and my father has a pretty darn good track record. So there's some momentum coming behind me, and he calls me son, which means I have the potential of my father. So so it forms my identity when I step into son of God. Josh Butcher has a specific and, and, and valuable natural history and potential, but he also has, as a son of God, supernatural momentum because he's part of the family of God with the potential of the Father flowing through it. See, at the core of who we are is actually not who we are, but who we believe ourselves to be, who we see ourselves as. And so when we go and try to figure out, well, who am I? Well, I am. Matter of fact, let's do that. Let's do that. Take a moment. Like, like Let's just be still here for just a second. I'm, gonna, I'm only going to pause for like maybe five seconds or something, but I'm going to give you a blank. I want you to fill in the blank. I am blank. Just take like five seconds. Like, let that. What, what, what would you, what would you fill in that blank? I am. What? <laughs> some of us. Let's just be real, right? Like, some of us we hear. Like, first, maybe you just hear your name. I am. Whatever your name is. But then, when we sit in that for a moment, some of us will hear like, I am forgotten. I am 
annoying. Some of us will hear some of us will hear the words of a coach back in back long like years decades ago, and we'll hear, "I am stupid. I am, I am not enough." Some of us some of us will hear, "I am wounded." Now, others of us in the room, check this out. See, some of us, we don't deal with that. Some of us, when you, when you started thinking, I am, here's what you heard. You heard, I am successful. You heard, you heard I am self-made. I am a high achiever. I am smart. I am tough. I am independent. And here's what I want you to do. Open your eyes if you haven't already. Neither of those things are what God wants you to hear. Because here's the deal. Like if you hear, if, if what you hear is like, I am self-made, I am successful, guess what? If all the credit lies on your shoulders, all the, all the failure is going to lie on your shoulders too when the thing falls. If, if, if you're bearing all of that, what we really call that is pride. If your whole life is just about you, that's selfishness and pride. Of course, if you hear, if you heard one of the first words, like that's not what God wants you to hear either. What God wants resounding, louder than any other label that anyone might try to stick on you is I am son, I am daughter. And that's the only identity that won't set you up for future failure and won't set you up for, for, for um, a, a low self-esteem identity complex. It's the only identity that actually works. I am son of God. I am daughter of God. It's the only identity that won't fail us. Number two, the second thing Jesus heard was, was uh, a word of acceptance. So he heard a word of identity, and here's a word of acceptance. The father says, this is my son whom I love. Whom I love. Now, here's the deal, right? Check this out. At Jesus' baptism... He hasn't done anything yet. He hasn't healed anybody. He hasn't raised anybody from the dead. He hasn't even taught a Bible study. He's done nothing. And the father says, I love you. And at the Mount of Transfiguration, when the father says, I love you, he doesn't say, I love you more because of these last few years. He just says, I love you. This is my son, whom I love. And when you realize that, when you realize, like, wait a second, he doesn't love me because I do, and he doesn't love me because I haven't done, like, he, he just loves me. When you realize that, it takes all the pressure off. It's like, it's like, wait a second, no accomplishment will cause God to love me more, and no failure will cause him to love me less. Now I'm just free. I'm just free to be loved. Except when it doesn't take the pressure off. If you're like me, it actually adds pressure. It adds a whole lot of pressure. Because if you're like me, you, you, you hook up love and acceptance with performance. And so when you hear, I'm the, I'm the son of, a, of God, well, God, that brings pressure like, like nothing before, man. Like, wait, wait, wait a second. If, if you are, my dad was not like by any means a great man. He, he, he um, was a small business owner, owned a trucking company in, in southern West Virginia, for most of my life, we barely made it financially. When I got into high school, things started picking up, and, and we were better off than before then. But we still had our issues, right? So it wasn't like my dad was like this great person. But in that niche, in like my holler in West Virginia, my dad was it, man. In my family, he was like, he was it. So to be his son, man, I got to be it. And so it brought all this pressure, and he didn't help. Like, I bring my report card home, like, fifth grade, right? And I bring it home, and he looks at my report card. It's like the fourth ten weeks. And he looks at it, and he says, um, A, 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 B plus, what's the problem? What's your, what, 
why did you let that one drop? And I'm like, Dad, it was probably like a point. Like, it's probably the difference between a 93 and a 92. I don't know. And part of me want to be like, Dad, you didn't graduate eighth grade. Come on, give me some credit here, man. <laughs> but being a son actually came with a, a bar that I had to, it, it was all about performance. And listen, man, that is real. And that, listen, it's 39 years and I'm still struggling with that junk. In my relationship with God, it's still issues, man. It's still like, like, Lord, I, I, I'm striving. Is this the Lord? And it's like, I feel all of a sudden, all of a sudden the enemy will take that issue from the past and he'll start just heaping guilt and shame on me so that I relinquish my sonship. I'll leave it behind. And I start acting like I'm more of a slave or a servant of God than a son of God in the house. I start trying to earn my way into the family instead of just receiving it like a son. And so what happens, man, is Jesus just like flips all of that on its head because, because there's this myth that we believe, right? That like we are won by his love, but we are kept by our achievement. We are won by his love, but it's his anger that keeps us in the family. It's like, no. I, I, Jesus, I love you before you did anything and you went on this ministry crusade and healed all these people so much so that if the, if the books of the world were available to write everything that you did, John says they wouldn't be enough and I love you the same. When you let that sink in, when, listen, when you let the truth of that sink in, you are my father and I am loved. Not because I've done, not be, not in spite of my, not in spite of my failure. Amen. It's not like he's closing his eyes to it. It's not like he's like, ooh, that's just really dirty. Oh, I just got, I can't look at that. But come on in, just you know, like spray some deodorant on so you don't stink as bad. <laughs> it's not in spite. It's not in spite of your sin that he loves you. Amen. He just loves you. And when you sink into that, man, all of the all of the striving, the competition, the anxiety, jealousy of other Christians, all of that ceases when you sit in the love of the Father. But where jealousy and competition and striving exist, it's evidence that there's an absence of the realization of the Father's love. That we've that we haven't seen everything that's there. We're looking at the, the London Symphony Orchestra logo, but we don't see the baton. We don't see the love of the Father. And when you do, man, it changes the way you see yourself. It also changes the way you see other people. The Lord convicted me of that real good this week. So I was thinking about somebody, and I started getting real critical of them. I'm like, man, I've got to get some of my nerves. I don't want to see him ever again. I hope he just stays away. <laughs> God's like, that's my son you're talking about. I'm like, oh, snap. <laughs> Lord, forgive me for forgive me for not representing the heart of the Father. Give me your heart. Give me your love. Fill me with your love so that I can look more and more like you. A third thing the Father says over Jesus, both in his baptism and in his the, the Mount of Transfiguration, is a word of approval. So he says, This is my son, whom I love, and then he says, In him I am well pleased. I'm well pleased. Now, I've been thinking and getting ready for this message today and this whole series. Um, I'm a dad, four kids, right? Um, and I've been thinking about their, each of them, their birthdays, like their, the, the day of their birth, right? And I was, I was blessed, man. I was blessed to be there when I was in the room when it happened. Hello, like at Hamilton, like I was there. I was in the room. And I was blessed that, like, for the most part, I mean, maybe they saw, like, the, the, the midwife or the doctor or something first, but their eyes were shut. So basically, like, I was like, probably the first face they ever saw. And that, I'm so, I, I feel privileged to be able to say that. I know some of you, if you're in the Navy, maybe you were, you were in deployment when that happened. And, and for you, you don't get to say that. And, and that grieves my heart, but, but it doesn't mean you're any less of a dad or mom, right? Okay, so um, I just release that. But um, I, just, I just blessed that I, that I was there. And I remember, um, I remember, think, come on, think about this. Those of you in the room who are parents or those of you in the room who are about to be parents, man, I can't, there's going to be such a, I'm serious, like, I just want to speak this over you. 
there's going to be such a, a wash of love that pours over you the first time you look at that face. You're not ready for it if you haven't experienced it. And if you have experienced it, you're still not ready for it when it happens. It's amazing. And I just remember thinking, um, each time, like, like seeing that little face, I just, this overwhelming sense of like, I'm so well pleased with you. I'm so proud of you. You haven't done anything. Matter of fact, you're actually costing me money at this moment, right? <laughs> But oh my gosh, so, and I'm so proud of you. And, and you've got so much potential, and there's all this history coming behind you, and I don't know what your life's going to look like, but I am so well pleased with you right here and now because you're mine. And, and I've just been thinking about how, like, seeing their face hearing their, their cry, it's like a hundred million percent approval flowing out in that moment. It's just like, oh my gosh, I love you so much. I approve of you. I'm so proud. I'm so pleased with you. And here's what I want you to know. That's how God feels about you. Like God looks at you and he smiles at you and he's like, I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. I'm so pleased with you. Not because you've done anything. Not because you've achieved. Not because you've, you, 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 you've, you've met all the criteria. But just because you're mine. So I love, I love you because you're you. I made you. I love you. Listen, brothers and sisters, like if we could let that truth wash over us, if we could just let the reality of that, like my identity is that I'm a son or a daughter. It's not what that coach said, that uncle said, that grandparents said. It's not what mom and dad said about me. It's not the label that that, that professor tried to put on me. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. If I can, if I can rest in that. If I can realize I don't have to earn his love, he just loves me. If I can, if I can just let that wash over me that, that I don't have to work for his approval, I get to join him in the field as one who's already approved. So suddenly I'm not working for him, but I'm working with him. It changes everything. It transforms your thinking. So here's what I hope happens. Pastor Hope's just going to sing here a little bit. And, and here's what I'm hoping and praying that happens over you. That you, would, in this moment, over the next couple of minutes, that you would just be baptized in his love. Just be washed over in his love. And whatever was spoken over you by an imperfect father, by an imperfect father figure, whatever whatever lie that you believed about yourself, that you're not, that, that you're unwanted, that you're ruined, that you're forgotten, that you're self-made, that you are, that, that you hold your own, you pulled yourself up with your own bootstraps. All of that would be replaced with the truth of God. That you are a son of God. That you are a daughter of God. You're part of his family. And he wants to wants to welcome you to his table, welcome you into his house. He's got a big old house. He wants you to be part of it. So as Pastor Hope sings here, here's, here's, here's how I'm wrapping up, and then she's going to sing, and then, and then we'll, we'll, we'll close here in just a minute. But what are you hearing this morning? What is the Spirit speaking to you? Was it something about how you see yourself? identity? Was it something about how you try to work to gain acceptance? Was it something about feeling that God is not pleased with you? That he, that he would hide his face from you if you were in public together? Did, 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 did the Spirit start prodding something in your own heart when we were talking about that? What's he saying? What's he saying to you? And then what do you need to do as a result? Do you need to listen while she sings? Do you need to just stand up and Come down and, and just spend some time kneeling, 
praying, asking for the Father to just replace every lie that you believe in, that has been spoken over you, just replace that with the truth, you can do that. That's an option. Do you need to just stand and lift your hands and spend some time in worship, thanking Him, that, that yes, Lord, I'm everything that I believe, everything is true. God, help me to walk in that in a greater measure. Lord, I love you. And you just want to respond to Him in worship, that's an option. Is there something going on in your life that you're struggling with, that you need somebody to join their faith with yours and pray with you? And you can come up here, stand. Some of our prayer team will gather around you and we'll pray that the miracle-working power of Jesus will flow through your life. So what is it that you need to do? What is he saying to you? What do you need to do as a result? Go ahead, Pastor Hope. Lead us into worship again. Come on, let's respond to the word. What do you need to do?
us every day of our life. Surely we are welcomed into the house of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Today we receive, we receive a, we receive a new day. <laughs> Some of us in the room, we came in with an old identity. We receive a new one. We receive a new name. We have a new history, a new potential. We receive that acceptance. We receive that, that pleasing approval. You love us unconditionally. Jesus. And now, God, what we want to do is we don't want to, we don't want to leave this place and try to do something for you to display your, your, your love, grace, and power for you throughout Hampton Roads. We want to display it with you. We want to work with you. Because if we work with you, the emphasis is on that we're with you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.